How many of you remember the story of Ruth? All right, Ruth is a book in the Bible. It's right before 1st and 2nd Samuel. It's one of those short books. It's only four books long. So when you're like thumbing through, it's easy to get past it. We're going to spend a lot of time there. So if you brought your Bible, go ahead and go. We're going to start in Ruth chapter 1. And now it's interesting how Ruth, the book of Ruth starts because it says, in the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah took together his wife and two sons And they went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malhan and Kilan, and they were Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So, it starts out talking about, doesn't even talk about Ruth, it talks about Naomi. And some people even said that the book of Ruth is just as much about Naomi as it is about Ruth. Because we're going to see, it starts out talking about Naomi, and it ends up talking about Naomi. And so we're going to to focus a little bit on what happens to her. But it opens up with tragedy. It says that in those days there was a famine in the land. And of course, if you're an agricultural society and there is a famine, that is a depression to beat the band. When the main business that everyone is in is growing plants and there's no water, everybody is hurting big time. So it says, now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. So tragedy compounds. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. One named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malhan and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons or her husband. Triple or quadruple tragedy now we've hit. Famine, then husband, then both of her sons says, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. So, Naomi is in a, a different country than Israel. She had left with her husband and her two sons to go to Moab. There's a huge crisis, financial crisis. There's a famine Husband dies. The boys both die. She has just her daughter-in-laws. And they hear that back in Israel, the blessing of God is there and there, is, there are crops. So they decide, let's go. With her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness. And as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud and and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. Then they. So Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? And it's kind of important to the story in Ruth to understand what the custom was at the time. You see, because society was based on agriculture, land, and family, when someone got, if you were to get married and your husband died and you didn't have any kids... You were in a really bad spot. And the custom was that someone else in that family, one of the other brothers, was then supposed to marry you and have a child that would not carry his name but his brother's name, the one who had died. And that would be treated as though it was the brother's child and would get the brother's inheritance and would continue on. And you, as the widow would then have a family that could take care of you. 
This was the custom. And, and Naomi says, why are you following me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? In other words, there's, there's no future with me, she says. Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. This is what Naomi said. And she must have been pretty convincing because at this, they wept aloud. Then Orpah, who had already said, I'm coming with you, who had already begun the trip back. They said they were already on the road, remember? It says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And that's what Mara meant, is bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. It's kind of interesting. I want to go back and point out a few things about what we just read. First, we, I already pointed out how it started in tragedy. Naomi said, all right, I'm going to go. I'm looking for change. We've heard that things are better in Israel. Let's go. And we heard what Naomi said. She said, convincingly enough that one of her daughters halfway down the road turned around and went back. She said, God has turned his hand against me. Here's what's interesting. That is a sentence in the Bible. But is it true? So, it is a sentence in the Bible, but it is a quote of what Naomi said. That doesn't make her perspective correct. She believed that God had turned against her. When she arrived in Bethlehem, the Bible says they arrived at harvest time. If you have ever been in an agricultural community, you know that harvest time is special. It is exciting. I, I remember a few years back, I was working for a service, and we went to Nebraska, and I was working there, and it was corn harvest time in Nebraska. There were mountains of corn, the base of which were bigger than this sanctuary. Just piled up, and the trucks were just loading it up. And I remember stopping by a, a mechanic shop there, and the, the mechanic showed me a $370,000 car. It was just, it was a Mustang, it was like a 70s Mustang that one of the local farmers had put $370,000 into upgrades. There is money in plants. When the harvest comes, the farmers 
get to realize. They don't know for sure they're going to make any money until harvest time. Because all the way up until harvest time, anything can happen. There could be a drought. There could be an infestation of locusts. There could be something could go wrong. There could be a fire. And everything's gone. Now remember, Naomi went looking for relief from the famine. She showed up at harvest time, and we're going to see for going forward, it was a bountiful harvest. There was a good harvest. The, the rumors they heard that God was blessing, that was happening. They were arriving. And you know what else? The Bible says that the whole town rallied when she arrived. We learn from different things in the book that Naomi had been a part of a very prominent family she was well known she was well liked she had been completely alone except for her two granddaughters in Moab she comes back looking for something better she shows up just as prosperity is hitting her hometown everybody in town is excited and happy to see her and what does she do Don't even call me Naomi. Call me Mara because everything about my life is bitter. You realize the situation. Now, you and I have already, well, many of us, have already read the entire book. Four chapters. In fact, we've not only read the book of Ruth, but we've read the entire Bible. And so we know not only is God about to restore everything. But she gets to be the grandmother of the second king of Israel and the great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus the Messiah. I mean, things are about to look really, really good. But she hasn't accepted that that anything good can happen. She is still believing a lie. Even when things begin to turn around, even when she shows up and gets greeted by the entire town who are, are on the cusp of prosperity, she is still focused on what she lost, convinced that God did it to her on purpose. It says, so Naomi, listen to this again. Thinking about now where she was. She, she traveled all this way in search of, of prosperity. She arrives as it's happening. Everyone comes out excited to see her. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me, and the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She went looking for change and found it, but it didn't sink in. I believe that there are people here tonight that have had gone through tough situations. They have been in difficult situations. And some of us have even believed the lie that Naomi was telling. God did this to me. God has abandoned me. God's not paying attention to me. Maybe you, you aren't convinced he did it to you. You're just convinced he doesn't care. It's like, well, he might not have done it on a purpose, but he sure wasn't looking out for me. And that's how Naomi felt. She said, all of this happened to me. And even when things began to turn around, it didn't register for her. See, change takes place outside of us. But there's also a change that has to take place inside. Someone said, change is external, transition 
is internal. And if that's the case, Naomi was experiencing change, but she was not experiencing transition. The circumstances had begun to change. She didn't even notice. She didn't cheer up. She was none the better for it. See, the beginning of transition isn't the change. The beginning of transition is leaving where you were. See, the beginning of transition isn't the start of something new. It's the end of something old. How many of you realize that you can't get somewhere without leaving someplace? And emotionally, that same thing is true. We can't be here if we're still back there. And a lot of us have, have had change happen to us, but we have not transitioned in our hearts, and we are still back where we were. Thinking like we're still in danger. She was afraid to expect anything better than what had been happening to her back in Moab. The entire city comes out to greet her happily. No, this isn't going to last. The crops are, are, are there. They're being harvested. She sees that there's prosperity in this land that she's come back to. She couldn't except that that she was no longer in a place where negative things were happening. Even though positive things were happening around her, as far as she was concerned, it was still, she was still back there. We can't experience the benefits of change without transitioning and recognizing and believing that we're not back where we used to be. When I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, there are a lot of things that happen in our life that we can't fully appreciate unless we leave where we've been. you got to let go to be able to go forward. A single person may want their whole life to get married. Then they get married. You know what they do? They pine for being single. In their mind, they still hold on to, well, I used to be able to do whatever I want and spend whatever I wanted and stay up as late as I wanted and sleep in as late as I wanted. Nope, you're not single anymore. But there are so many benefits. This is okay. You, Let go. If you spend your time emotionally still back, trying to behave as though you're you're single, you can't enjoy marriage. Then you just get that figured out and then kids show up. Well, we used to be able to do whatever we wanted. And now, can't be a good parent still pining for the time before. And then you get used to that, and then rumor has it, I haven't gone through this one yet, but then the kids leave. It's change. But transition, the emotional step. See, change doesn't automatically register just because it's happening around us. We have a responsibility and a choice to make. Transition starts with leaving or letting go of the past. In Ruth chapter 2, it says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, so the clan that her husband was in, whose name was Boaz. Boaz. 
And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, so the daughter-in-law says, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who's, in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. I think it's fitting, the, for, the wording there. She says, let me go. See, up until this verse, all the positive changes that had taken place hadn't begun a transition in Naomi. And her daughter says, her daughter-in-law says, let me go. Let's change what we're doing. Let's respond to the situation that we're in. Let me go and see what I can do to benefit from the prosperity that's around us. Because the custom was that when they would go through the fields, they would leave little bits behind. They, the, the workers couldn't catch everything. In fact, they were told, you don't have to be so, so thorough as to catch everything because the poor and the widows and those who don't have any property will come behind and they'll pick up the little bits. And with that, they can go make a living. They can eat. So she says, let me go. And Naomi says, okay. And that was her first step of letting go of what had been her reality, of the mindset that she had. And it says, so she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseers replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field when, where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. As at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. How different does Boaz's description contrast to Naomi's statement? Naomi said, Oh, God is against me. He's put his hand against me. Boaz says, God is your refuge. He is blessing you. He will reward you. They both couldn't be right. But Naomi believed a lie. I heard someone say this and I thought it was so profound. They said, wherever there is hopelessness, a lie is being believed. Wherever there is hopelessness, a lie is being believed. Many of us look at our life situation, we look at the past, we look at the patterns, we look at what's going on, we say, oh, famine, husband died, sons died, situations are not ideal. It must be. Be hopeless. No. No, it is not. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 34, verse 6 through 9, it says, The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear 
him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Does that describe anybody here? Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Raise your hand if that's you. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. That's us. It says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil and blot, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. Who are the righteous? That's us. And if you say, well, I've been trying. We got a whole other sermon about how we are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not even your righteousness that needs to be righteous. It's Jesus' righteousness. So he's got you covered. Now, back to this. The righteous cry out, that's you. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person, here it comes. The righteous person may have many troubles. (laughs) Anyone got that one on your fridge? The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. See, the devil, the moment that something happens wrong, when when he can get a situation where he can get a snapshot of what's going on, he says, this is your future. You've had many troubles, you've had a trouble, you've had... Whatever the situation, it's bad, and it's going to be bad. It's going to stay bad. God's against you. I just want to encourage you, don't buy it. Don't buy it. It is not a permanent place. The Scripture says the righteous may have even many troubles. It doesn't say a trouble. It said many. But, such an important word, but... The Lord delivers him from, most of them, them all. The Lord delivers them from them all. Psalms 37, 1 through 10. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land Enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Here's the part we don't want. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Hold on. Let's read that again. He says, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. Why would it make us fret to see others succeed? You know why? Because they succeeded without doing it the right way. This, this verse is talking about that frustration that comes when we look and we see what appears to be success following unrighteous behavior. Solomon says that for a minute he was confused. He wondered, how does, how does success come to the unrighteous? And then it says, but then I considered 
the rest of the situation. And I realized that it's, it's fleeting. In the light of eternity, this success that they appear to be experiencing is nothing. He says, don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. When we despair, when we believe that God has abandoned us, that there isn't a way, that, that doing it the right way isn't going to make it, I need to take care of myself. I need to break with what I know God is asking me to do. I just need to be selfish. I can't be happy unless I'm selfish. No. No. God says that leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. So, Ruth, she goes, she sees the situation, she, she, she goes out there, she has caught the eye of Boaz, and she comes back, and she begins to tell Naomi the situation. And I'm going to jump a few scriptures and to when she gets home, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you because she saw how much she came back with. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Now, why does she say that? Why is he being kind to the living and the dead? She added, this man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Remember I told you that custom that they had where the family would marry the widow and then she would have a child and that child would be considered the uh, heir of the, the, the dead spouse, Naomi got a picture of what success could be like, what blessing could be like. And if we look at the, the, the second half of the book of Ruth, we don't see depressed, pessimistic Naomi anymore. She's gone. She finally caught up with what God was trying to do in her life. She realized, wait a minute, this guy who obviously, whose attention you caught, who you happened to find when you went there, no, this is God changing and working through our situation. This is our, our kinsman redeemer. This man is a family member who, according to our custom, is allowed to take the inheritance that belongs to my husband who's dead and your husband who's dead and raise up an heir who would be considered my grandchild. she began to get the picture. But here's the thing. It didn't start when she realized it, did it? It started long time before. So many of us do not make the transition. God is changing. He is moving in our lives. And we don't see the change. I like the story of, of Abraham when he brought his son up to be sacrificed. Do you remember this story? See, God told Abraham, I want you to go to the top of this mountain, bring your son, your only son. The son, by the way, who I promised you would be the father of many nations, who hasn't had a single kid yet. 
the son that I promised you would be the vehicle through which I was going to bless you. I want you to take him with you, and I want you to kill him at the top as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham brought him up there, and the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he had faith that God would even raise him from the dead if needed. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he just said, I trust you, Lord. And when he was about to kill his son, according to what he had been told to do, an angel of the Lord stopped him and said, no, I don't want you to kill your son. I just wanted to see that you were willing, because in this place, I will provide. And that, coincidentally, if you didn't know this, historically, that is the very place where Jesus was crucified. God is cool that way. He does neat, nifty, symbolic things. The very place where Abraham went up is where Jesus was later sacrificed. God said, no, you don't have to give your son because I'm going to give my son. But here's what's interesting about that story is then the Bible says that he looked up and there in the thicket was a ram caught by the thorns, or by the horns, And he caught that ram, and that ram was the sacrifice. And I remember a message. I'll never forget this message. Somebody was teaching about this, and they said, you know, he didn't know what was going on. When he was climbing up the mountain, still in his mind, expecting to sacrifice his son, where was that ram? He may not have been in the thicket yet, but God had him on the way. God was like, oh, this way. No, no, you're not going to go over there today. I have a thicket I'm going to be sticking you in a little bit later. See, God was orchestrating things when he didn't even know. See, we have to come to the place where we trust that the ram is on the way. Even when we can't see what's going on, we know, God, that is where I have put my trust. He is my refuge. He has promised me That he would provide, protect. Naomi caught a glimpse of the situation. He said, oh, that man is your kinsman redeemer. He could be the one. And from that point on, she no longer is pessimistic. She, in fact, we don't have time to read through the whole chapter, but it's a fun read. It's a good story. As you go through, and it says, I'm going to read just this section in chapter 3. It says, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whom, with those women who you have worked, is a relative of yours. Tonight he'll be winnowing in the barley flesh flour. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go out. She has got a plan. She says to her, daughter-in-law, she says, that man, the one who has the right to redeem the inheritance that belonged to my husband and your husband, said, go, told her where to meet him, what to say. And then Ruth followed those instructions. And Boaz He says, he listens, he hears what she says, and he says, I will go. And he says, he calls together the men of the city, they come together, and he says, I am willing, but there's one family member who's closer than I am. There's another person who has a stronger right to this inheritance if he's willing to marry. So he goes to the, he calls them together and he says to the other man, he says, there is an inheritance that belonged to Limelech, but he has died. And it would have belonged to his sons, but they have died. And you have a right to purchase that. Are you willing to purchase it? And the man says, yes. And he says, oh, and by the way, if you purchase it, You are responsible to marry Naomi and provide an heir 
for that family. And the man says, never mind. That's what he says. It's kind of funny. And you can kind of picture, you know that he, I mean, she must have caught his eye from that first day. You know he was hoping. But he had to ask, and he did it the slickest way possible. He's like, do you want the, the inheritance? Do you want to buy that, that inheritance land? And he says, yes. And he says, oh, by the way, to do that, you have to marry her. And he says, oh, that would be a problem. He must have already been married, and he knew his wife wasn't going to want that. And so he said, okay, then I'll do it. He went back. He married Ruth. And then the end of the story, what's interesting is that their firstborn son, they give to Naomi to raise as her own. She gets a son. My Bible, in the very end, you know you have the little subtitles that say, you know, kind of summarize what the next little section is going to be. In my Bible, it says, Naomi gains a son. And it says, so Boaz and Ruth took Ruth and became his wife. This is at the end of chapter 4. And became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who we all know as King David. So awesome what God did. And here's what I just want to encourage you. God is at work in our situation. If we are the righteous, we have his promise. He is there. He is working. There is change. But change doesn't mean transition. And many of us are still emotionally haven't left the place that we were. We're still afraid that more calamity, more difficulty is coming. We don't trust that God's really headed someplace positive with our lives. There's the saying that they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You don't need to raise your hand, but does anybody ever feel like that's you? You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. That was Naomi. She heard that things were better. She gathered up her daughter-in-laws, starts on the way, but she just can't picture a positive future. Convinces one of them to give up and go back. Do you realize what she missed out on? Had she come, I don't know what she went back to. The Bible doesn't tell us what her life was like as she went back as a lonely widow to Moab. Had she gone with them, she would have been part of one of the more affluent families there. She would have been the great aunt of the future king. She missed out. Naomi didn't dare to expect God to fulfill his promises. She didn't dare to even notice the positive things that were happening. Have you ever seen someone who is so depressed, so convinced of a lie that they don't recognize when good things happen? It's like you try to cheer them up and they're like, well, now I have something to lose. It's like Eeyore. Do you remember Eeyore? No matter what you said, he spun it around. He said, no, this is bad. That's how Naomi felt. That's where the devil wants us to be. 
but God. Remember that verse? But God will provide. God has promised that if we take refuge in him, he will provide. I double dog dare you to believe that your situation is in God's hands. If everybody would close your eyes for just a minute. I'm going to ask a different question than I usually ask. If you listen to this story of Naomi and you realized that you have more in common with Naomi than you wish you did. If you recognize that you're struggling to transition to emotionally accept a positive future from God. Nobody looking around. I want to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have been there? I see hands all over. We can't go forward to a new place until we leave the old place behind. We can't go somewhere new without leaving where we've been. We can't emotionally accept the blessing and the positive that God is trying to give us if we are convinced that there's nothing but negative coming. I just want to say God loves you. He has promised you that he will provide. Dear Heavenly Father, I just lift up each and every one of these people. Would everyone here stand up? Everybody stand. I don't desire to embarrass anyone. But I want to encourage everyone. There is no shame in ever feeling discouraged. All of us have been there. What we want to do today is encourage you. We want to inspire you that God is not only willing He's not just able, but he is willing and able to make your life into everything he planned for you. God is the God of redemption. He has a plan. There is a ram on the way. But see, there's an interesting verse. Hebrews, well, excuse me, James, chapter 1, verse 6. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see... We need to let go of our expectation that it's not going to work out. That it's only negative things that are coming. So I want to ask, if you are here and you want that encouragement, you say, okay, I am ready to transition. I am ready to accept the change. If that's you, If you raised your hand, I want to ask you to come down here. We are going to declare that blessing over you right here and right now. Honey, will you come down and pray with me? Come on down. I want tonight to be like that moment 
for, for Naomi when she caught a glimpse of God's plan. When she realized, whoa, he can do everything I had given up hope he could do. He can do it. Come on down. We're going to pray. We're going to declare the blessings of the Lord on you. We are going to rebuke the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. You know what that means? It's not our boss's fault. It's not a person. There's not a person who is ruining our lives or making life difficult on us. It might feel that way sometimes. But usually, hurting people hurt people. And who's hurting them? The Bible says it's the devil who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. He can't devour everyone. It says he's looking to see who he can. Because he's looking for who doesn't realize the protection that, that, that is available to them. So we're going to go down, and I'm just going to declare blessing over each and every one of you. Would you guys who are standing back there, I'd like you to extend your hands, and I just want you to also join with me. Declare blessing, breakthrough, ask that God would reveal in, through His Holy Spirit the avenues through which He desires to bless them, each and every one of them, in Jesus' name. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Him. I just pray your blessing on him. I rebuke every discouragement that the devil has tried to send this way. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Dear Heavenly Father, blessing. Lord, we just thank you that you love him, that you have a strong plan for his life. Lord, that plan has not been stopped. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I just thank you that you love him. Lord, that your plans are to prosper, not to harm. In Jesus' name. Blessing. Lord, we just thank you for your plan that you have had since the beginning. Lord, you have shown her bits and pieces of this plan. She has been excited before. I pray that she would be excited again. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.